Let's do another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gordon Whitehead. We've talked about prediction-based investing. We've talked about private equity lately, Ron. But let's get back. You said we wanted to sort of stick to some basics here over the next couple of weeks. And you have come up with the lucky 13 golden rules of investing in stocks. So are we talking, are we, are we at the starting line here? Is this what we should all pay attention to? Yeah, I think when markets have been good for a very long pe period of time, investors tend to get sloppy. And, you know, when it's, it's just simple, no matter what you invest in, it goes up, you begin to think you're very clever. And you get bad habits, you get over-concentration, you just get a lot of things that when markets go down, that carelessness comes back to bite you. And, of course, it looks like markets peaked maybe a month ago and you know, we're seeing interest rates rise. We're seeing uh, the all the stimulus is slowing down. That R word is becoming more and more prominent. Yeah. Recession, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like if we're not already in recession, and I think I actually think we're we're in recession right now. You usually don't find out until the stats come out, and you look back over the last six months, and you go, "Oh, yeah, we we were in recession." So we're really not going to find out if we're You've got to you've got to use the rearview mirror and look back to actually see that you've been there. But it feels like like we're either in recession or we're about to slide into one, because you know if we get six quarter point interest rate hikes, uh, the R word usually converts to the B word, which is bear market. And when markets go down, uh, you actually find out how skilled you are as a manager of your own money and as a and how good your stock selection really and your investment selection really is. So before we slide too far into a bear market, and certainly crypto and NASDAQ are already down over 20%, they're already technically in a bear market. And some of the international, uh, especially emerging, there's a number of them that are, have slipped into bear market. And so it looks like it's only a matter of time before some of the big markets like Canada, U.S., and Europe uh, go the same direction. If that happens, uh, you want to take a look at your portfolio and figure out before you go into a big slide, not after, that you've made some mistakes because you've still got time to correct those mistakes. And that's what we're going to try to cover today. So you've developed this list of 13 <laughs> rules. And the first one is to develop goals. And, and I think back, Ron, you know, it's going back a few decades for me. When I first started investing, my goal was to set up myself for retirement. I didn't want to have to work till I was 100. And I thought, okay, I've got some basic things I have to do here. Uh, and, and Is that a good place to start is setting goals, right? Well, setting goals is so important because if you don't have goals, it's very difficult to save. And so usually what, uh, what I suggest people do is make a list of all the things you want to do in life. If you want to travel, well, that is going to involve going to specific places and spending a specific amount of money. So if you want to achieve that goal, how are you going to get there financially? If you want to retire, there again, how are you going to reach that goal? If you want to buy and save for a house, how are you going to get to that goal? If you're saving for retirement, how are you going to do that? So you want to have goals in mind. Are you going to save for your kid's education? How much it's going to cost? What does that mean in dollars? And what does that mean if I'm saving so much on a monthly basis in order for me to get there? So if you don't have goals, 
you 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 jump around all over the place. So you see uh, a lot of younger people right now. They have no goal, so they jump into the latest meme stock or or something that's hyped on uh, Wall Street bets or one of the the internet sites, and they put all their money in there. You know, I was in the line at a at a grocery store, and uh, this kid that uh, I know, he looked at me and he said, Mr. Hebert, what should I do? I bought this stock and I'm down 96%. And, and, I, and I looked at him and said, well, there's really nothing you're going to do because the thing's going to go bankrupt. Uh, you know, so uh, sell now and you at least get 4% of your money back. But that's not the time to be asking the questions. If the kid actually had goals, he was saving for an education or a car or a house or retirement or whatever it was. Um, he, he wouldn't have just thrown all his money at the first thing that came along that he thought would get rich. He would develop the discipline and the saving habits to, to uh, invest as he went along. And he wouldn't try to have a casino bet, which was all or nothing. And when you have goals, they help you, number one, to discipline, to save regularly, and they also keep you away from investing in all-or-nothing type gambles. So if you don't have goals, uh, you're going to float around all over the place. So you want to make sure that you have very specific goals in mind. And if you don't, now's the time to get them. Okay, so we've, we've, we've got our goals. We've, we've got a list up on the wall. Here's where I want to get to. Now, I've got to come up with a strategy that gets me there. Is that the next step? Yeah, and uh, by a strategy, you've got to figure out, <clears throat> number one, um, how much of your portfolio um, that you want in stocks, how much of your portfolio you want in fixed income, how much of your portfolio you want in real estate, and then what criteria are you going to use to pick the ETFs or the funds or the individual stocks or bonds that get you there. Now, yeah, every you had, strat- there's, there's risk strategies here, right? Like how much high risk do you want to take, how much medium risk, low risk, correct? That's, and that's fundamental. And, you know, and every strategy has periods of time where it doesn't work very well. So don't abandon it at the bottom for a strategy that it's at its peak. You see people jumping from one strategy to another that, uh, you know, they invest basically in North America and emerging markets take off. So they, they sell all their North American stuff. They buy emerging markets. Then um, they, they find that that isn't working, the crypto's working, so they pile into that. So Mike Tyson said, and I think he's, you know, he's not a financial wizard by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he's taken a few to the head. But he said that everyone has a strategy until they're punched in the face. So you can go into a boxing match with him, and you've got all these plans of you're going to bob and you're going to weave and you're going to duck and you're going to just catch that right moment where you connect with his jaw. But he smashes you one in the face, and you want to, and your plans all uh, kind of go just, up, in, up in thin air. Yeah. yeah, go up thin air. So you want to make sure that your strategy works under stress. You know, how much downside does this strategy have? You know, if this strategy just you're riding the markets up and down, that's fine. But in the last 22 years, <clears throat> we've had a 49% correction, a 56% correction, and a 33% correction. Uh, does your strategy <clears throat> only uh, protect you on the upside, and does it protect you on the downside? Most people can't take 50% correction. So 
my rule of thumb is most people at beyond 25%, they get really edgy. So can your portfolio handle a 25% drawdown? And you want a strategy that's conservative enough so that when markets are under stress, you're not abandoning it right at the bottom, fleeing, because then you're selling at the bottom. Okay, so if we have a, have a plan here, you, you've got rule number three, focus on value and not price. You know, probably the most important lesson I learned was early on when I listened to one of Warren Buffett's speeches that he gave at the Berkshire Hathaway annual uh, general meeting where he invited shareholders in. Now, I didn't go, but I watched it online. And uh, he was talking about the fact that you want to treat every stock trade from a viewpoint like you're going to buy the whole company. So if you were going to buy the whole company, what would you look for? Well, I'd look for consistent earnings. I'd look for how much debt do they have. I'd look for does management have a significant ownership in this thing, or are they just there to collect a paycheck? Uh, I would look for are there uh, other companies that are competitors that are about to eat their lunch. I would, uh, I would look at how much cash they have. I'd look at are there any litigation against them. I would look at is the government going to uh, come up with legislation that's going to hurt these guys. In other words, if I was buying the whole company, I'd do a very, very thorough review of the uh, business plan and the financials before I bought it, not just you hear someone uh, giving you a tip on TV and you immediately jump and throw a whole pile of money in it. So if you focus on the value, like you're going to be an owner of a stock, that's the kind of rigor that you should take with you when you evaluate when to buy or when not to buy. And if you do that, that will save you a lot of grief later on. Okay, number four, understand herd mentality. We've talked about herd mentality. Oh, hey, everybody else is doing that. I should get on there too. Yeah, I mean, where do you go with, uh, with this? I mean, <clears throat> we live in a society where there's influencers. And, you know, you've got mega influencers like Kim Kardashian, who has 125 million people that follow her. On, on various social media sites. They wear what she wears. They, they, they go where she goes. They drive what she drives. They, they, they try to follow uh, the Kardashian lifestyle. And, of course, everybody wants to be like everybody else because they feel like they belong. Now, if you have that tendency, don't, whatever you do, invest. Because if you're investing like everybody else, and you're going where the latest fads are, then lately you would have been in cannabis, and you know, we all know how that turned out. You would have been in crypto, and you know how that turned out. And typically, the only time you twig on to these things is when they're making headlines and they're at the top of their market. So if you can't get beyond herd mentality, uh, then you should get out of the market, give your money to someone else, and let them invest for you, because you're just going to get yourself uh, slaughtered because you're always buying at the wrong time. That's very good information right there. Invest in what you understand. I always think back to uh, one of our conversations of a few years ago, Ron, where I thought, you know, people have to eat. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we, we, we started talking about a couple of food manufacturers. I think Kellogg's was one and 
Heinz was another one, and Campbell's Soup or whatever. I mean, I understand that people have to sit down at the table and feed their family. Yeah, and, and you know, people uh, literally underestimate how much investment knowledge they, they really have. Let's say you work in a grocery store. Well, you're continually seeing what goes through the checkout counter. If you work in the back, you're, you're seeing what gets ordered and reordered in volumes and the things where sales are going up. You've got a tremendous knowledge, better than a lot of analysts do, of what's moving in the food and, and consumer space. If you work as a mechanic, well, there's thousands of parts that go into a car. You know what is in demand, what is in such demand you can't get it. It's manufactured by somebody, and a lot of them are public. Uh, you know, if you work in healthcare, here again, you've, you've got a knowledge that a lot of people don't understand what drugs are moving, what equipment is selling, you know, what stuff does uh, need to be serviced regularly, and the service costs are through the roof. So many people work in industries. You work in oil and gas. Here you, you have understanding of oil, gas, refining, pipelines that, frankly, is quite unique and gives you an investment edge over other people. If you work in mining or you, you, work, you sell heavy equipment or you work in an auto manufacturing business, whatever it is, there's going to be certain areas that give you an edge and make sure that if you're an investor, you take advantage of that edge. So that's one of the unique things you have where, where you have um, a head up on everybody else. I mean, uh, three months ago, I spent a day with a friend of mine who has a water drilling company. And we talked a lot about his business. In fact, uh, when it came to drilling companies, I learned more in that day and a half of just talking to him about his business because he lived it because he'd had a company for 40 years. I learned more about the drilling business in one weekend with him than I learned in 40 years listening to analysts. So uh, if you invest in what you understand or you have someone that has a deep understanding of someone of, of an area and you can tap into that, that's going to give you a leg up and that's got to be the place where you start if you're doing investing. Number six here, we're going to make this, this two shows, this lucky 13 golden rules. Number six, and we'll wrap up the first installment of this. And, uh, you know, this, I, I, I think this is kind of a no-brainer. Buy quality. Don't buy junk. Yeah. And, uh, would, you buy, where you... would you buy a, a $100 Chesterfield as opposed to a $1,500 Chesterfield as an example? Yeah, yeah. good example. And uh, there was a guy that had uh, a saying mounted up on the wall. And he used more colorful language than, than this, but this is a family show. It says, crap don't fly and crap don't bounce, so don't buy crap. So imagine a bird flies over a sidewalk and splats some crap out. It doesn't bounce. So crap does not recover. Once it goes down, generally it's done. So it doesn't bounce. So the moral of the story is don't buy crap. Where do you look? Well, a couple of ideas. Dividend Kings are companies that have increased their dividends 50 years in a row. And so uh, they're companies that have all the things that we like. Often they're monopolies, or if they're in three or four businesses, they're either number one or number two. Or you look at dividend aristocrats, and in the U.S., that means they've increased their dividends for 25 years in a row. In Canada, the uh, bench is a little lower. It's uh, five years. 
But you can look, and there's companies like Canadian Utilities, there's companies like Fortis, uh, there's companies like uh, CN, which have increased their dividends 40, 40, and 25 years in a row. And so there's lots of companies in Canada that more than exceed that five-year limit. In fact, you can find lots of companies that have increased their dividend 15, 20 years in a row. Those are the kind of companies you want to look at because they're I'm not saying they're no-brainers because there's nothing that's a no-brainer in the investment industry. But buying dividend kings and aristocrats and companies that increase their dividends and earnings all the time is one of the highest probability ways with the least risk of making money. Well, so uh, take a look at it. Yeah, and then two that you mentioned there, right? like Fortis, we always turn the lights on, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and CN, as we've talked about ad infinitum, everything in this country at one time or another moves on a rail. So they ain't going away, and they ain't making yeah. any more railroads either. Yeah, I mean, those are logical things, but often when markets are, are taken off, people forget the obvious. You know, I look at my portfolio, and most of my stocks are either dividend kings or dividend aristocrats uh, because I like a simple approach that has the highest probability of making me money. And, uh, you know, there's other things that work as well, but... Um, if you just, especially if you're just starting getting in investments, uh, dividend aristocrats, dividend kings are great places to start. All right, so that's part one of the lucky 13 golden rules of investing in stocks. We're back next week to go through numbers 7 through 13. And again, a suggestion, if you have a question and want to flesh something out, drop us a line, letsmakemoney.ca, our website, or through cfcw.com. That portal will also get to us. And we will address it in upcoming episodes of Making Money. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, we're back next week with another edition of Making Money. We look forward to joining you then. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.